This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. For me in my generation, or maybe it was just me in my more compliant rule-following nature, I learned how to be the good girl. All those rules, all the fear and the punishment like made me behave. And I thought that that would work with my children. And what I discovered was that it didn't work. It just escalated their behavior. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> You just heard uh, a little clip from our interview with Iris Chen, and we get into it today with giving kids more power, which I think is really scary for people. I, I would think it's really scary, wouldn't you, Brie? Giving kids more power when you're used to as the adult, like you're in control? I think that's a big factor right there. A lot of us, and we talk about it in the episode, how like we were brought up a certain way. And when we were getting ready to have our kids, or we just started having our kids, we're all like, okay, well... It worked for me. I'm a good person. I have a good life. This is fantastic. And then we find out that it don't work so great because yeah. there's key elements of it that we're not willing to follow with. I mean, I loved my parents, but I was scared to the bejeejees of my dad because mm -hmm. he could spank and leave like that hand mark. So as much as I love my parents, like trying to parent the exact same way they did didn't work because I would refuse to have my kids be fearful of me. Yeah, that's not the relationship that we want with our kids. So right. I think that you are going to love our guest today, Iris Chen. She is the founder and author of Untigering, Unschooling Mother, which we get into in this episode because both Bree and I were fascinated with unschooling, and Peaceful Parent Coach. She helps parents practice anti-oppression in their families and shift from power over to power sharing relationships with children. And Iris is the proud mom of a 13 and a 15 year old. And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Iris. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. 
Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Iris. We are we're so happy to have you here and I am really excited to dig in to everything with you. Now, a lot of us know you from your book Untigering. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you came to this work? Yeah, do you want me to talk about the book or my journey or where do you want me to take this? Well, I guess what I'm really interested in is what led you to kind of wanting to parent in this way, what was the realization that you didn't want to take these things forward? Yeah, it's interesting because it's just such a personal journey for each person, for each parent. And I know parents who like once their child comes into the world and they're holding their sweet baby, they look at their baby and they're like, I will never hurt you the way that I was hurt or I will not do what was done to me. And I was not like that at all. I had not processed, I guess, a lot of the things that I experienced. And in many ways, I thought that authoritarian parenting, while not as extreme as maybe what I experienced, was a good way of parenting. You know, I had turned out pretty well. My siblings had turned out pretty well. And we stayed out of trouble. Well, some of us did. And so just moving forward, when I had my kids, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be as extreme as my parents. I'm not going to be as strict as them. They were Chinese immigrant parents who had a very certain way of thinking about their role as parents, protecting us and needing us to get good grades and everything. And for me, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be that extreme, but I still expect my child to listen to me and obey and not talk back and, you know, all of those things. And so I really leaned into expecting obedience, focusing on behavior more punishments than rewards, which is pretty typical in tiger parenting. Like we were given, right? Yeah, exactly. And it just wasn't quote unquote working for for me in my generation, or maybe it was just me in my more compliant rule following nature. I learned how to be the good girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those rules, all the fear and the punishment like made me behave. And I thought that that would work with my children. And what I discovered was that it didn't work. It just escalated their behavior. My oldest child in particular would just have huge meltdowns, you know, flailing in the middle of the street type of thing. And I I thought that it was like power struggles. We frame it as power struggles and you as a parent need to show them who's boss. And so I would punish harder. It would make the punishments more painful, whether that was physical or psychological. And there was just so much angst and trauma and conflict in our relationship. And they also weren't behaving better. And I was like, what is happening? Why is this not working? And I think that's part of tiger parenting as well. It's like a very, I'm going to tell you what to do and you need to obey. And you've said so many important things in there that I want to circle back to because first of all, 
the concept of the good girl. Um, because I too felt like I was the good girl and it worked with me. Like my parents said something and they're like, don't do this. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do this. And you look at that based on your own parenting and think, well, I, it worked for me and I did it. Yeah. So why aren't my kids the same? But also, and I don't know if this applies to you too, Iris, I have high anxiety and people pleasing. And I think it's because of that, of not like being ever heard as a child or never having my opinions matter, of always listening to other people. Do you have that in your own life? I definitely feel like I am highly sensitive, very attuned to what's going on around me. And I actually realized that about my son, my oldest son first. And then that was why he was reacting to these things because he was so overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed by these emotions, by by the control, by fears that he was having anxiety. And that's why he was maybe acting out in these dysregulated ways. And once I recognized that about him, I recognized that about myself. I think in terms of the people-pleasing, I was definitely a rule follower and wanted to like know what was expected of me. But I also have this very independent streak where when I'm told to do something, I resent being told. Like, I still might like, do it because- <laughs> The two of because- you! The two of you are like twins. I swear. Yeah. I'm listening like- here going, oh, wow. They were separated at birth. <laughs> That's so interesting. Like, I have this, you can't tell me what to do. Like, even like Bree, who's the project manager for our team, like, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> like, it's the most frustrating thing, I'm sure. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I love you too. <laughs> But uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about, which you mentioned in there, is this whole power struggle concept, because we get that a lot in our community. Um, our The women in our community are all on board with conversing with their kids and having conversations and really going into more of an authoritative method of parenting. But they talk a lot about their spouses and about how their spouses are along this mindset that, oh my gosh, well, if they're having this temper tantrum, then I need to be harsher and stronger well, and you need to like up the punishment. And it's hard though, when you keep getting told, sorry, Bree's going to bring in her little bit of marital trauma here. It's a little hard when you're getting told yeah. by the person that's supposed to love you and like yeah. you're in a commitment together, you're parody together and they're like, you're not doing this right. Totally. So yeah, and we try to keep going no. back to those 80s parenting routines, but they just don't seem to work. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to bring up and to talk about here about those ideas that it's a power struggle that's happening. And then you said that you noticed it wasn't working. And so what made you change? I mean, I think it was definitely a process of my own personal healing along the way. But there was like one moment that I write about in my book where I went to a parenting workshop and I actually wasn't there for me. I was there because I knew the speaker and I was there to support her. I still felt like I had things under control. <laughs> so I was there to support her. But the the way that she was talking about parenting and um, she just brought in a lot of brain science that in the parenting communities and parenting books that I had read, I grew up in a very religious community. So the books that I read were a lot about behavior management, a lot about obedience, and not necessarily about brain science or neurobiology and 
child development. Yeah. You were talking about studying early childhood development, and I didn't know that. So my expectations of children were obey, listen yeah. to me, I know what's best. And so hearing about how their brains are not fully developed yet, how they parts of their brain that make them upset or reactive, that fight, flight, freeze part of their brains get active and reactive when we yell at them, when we punish, when they experience fear and threat. And so that makes it even harder for them to calm down, to think logically, to make better choices. And so I realized that I was punishing my child when they really needed my help they needed my help and my support. They were like, in many ways, unable to calm down or to listen to me or whatever I wanted them to do. And I punished him instead. And so that really broke my heart. I realized that the way that I had been, the my perspective of him had been totally one of willful disobedience. Like you are choosing to do this. And so I must discipline that out of you. I must punish it. I can't let you get away with it. I need to show you who's boss, all of those messages that we get from mainstream parenting. And so I realized at that point, much of my parenting, I had to stop. Like I was still using very abusive strategies to try to (laughs) control him. You know, it was still spanking. I was sending him to his room, isolating, taking away his toys, like all of those horrible things that I Mm -hmm. speak against now. I was doing and I realized I had to stop that. And so you were talking before about like the whole power struggle. What I really hope to do through my own journey and sharing my own journey and the work that I do through Integrity is like teaching parents how to go from like a power over type of mindset with children to Mm -hmm. a power sharing. Like how can we share power with our children so that it's not like, I have all the power. I get to do this to you. I need to protect you from the world. And so therefore, I know what's good for you and can make you do these things. There's there's a quote that I pulled from your book that I want, that I think completely encapsulates this. And I want to get into it more. And we will right after this break. Hey, all. It is Joanne. And Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. 
From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool aunt that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Iris, in your book, you write, we can make all their decisions for them now and hope that they'll grow up to make good ones themselves, or we can trust them with freedom now under our loving guidance. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the parenting that we have now is like the parent again, especially when they're younger, making a a lot of the decisions, controlling them, having these rules and limits and all of those things. And then when they're independent, then they get to figure things out. But I think often happens then is when they're on their own, when they're independent, they become reactive to the control that they were under. All those strict rules is, okay, they're off to college and they go wild or whatever because they were never given that freedom. Well, what if we gave them freedom or honored their freedom, honored their autonomy from an early age, knowing that they are their own person? Like children are their own people. Yes. They have their own ideas. They they are their own experts. And so how can we be in partnership with them? Again, that power sharing where I want what's best for you. I know that you want what's best for you. So how can we work together? Like I'm going to guide you. I'm going to teach you and educate you, but I'm not going to control you. You might make mistakes. You might make choices that are really uncomfortable and maybe to to me risky. You know, of course, we're not going to like do things that endanger them. Right. But there's so many ways for young people to practice their autonomy that parents don't even give them the opportunity to. Well, yeah, we can't expect our children to be able to go out into the world having never made decisions for themselves. Like they're, oh man, I forget the name of it, but there's this account on TikTok and Instagram where this like guy shares texts from your kids. And some of the questions, where do I buy pasta water? You know, when does my social security number expire? What's my job? Do I have a job? Like those are things that you're like, okay. I have a job. (laughs) And I know those are like funny, but obviously if you never let a lot, give your children that opportunity to figure things out for themselves, to like question things and to be like, okay, I got to problem solve this whole pasta water thing. It's going to be a long life of them living in your basement. (laughs) 
It is. And it's so interesting because when you talk about kids having their own autonomy, this is something that Brie and I were very curious about that you do. You do unschooling. Yes. And I hear unschooling is very like strong in children autonomy. How like I'm coming into this knowing nothing about unschooling. So Iris, please tell me, how does this work? Yeah. It's funny how I went from one extreme to the other in terms of like extreme, like authoritarian tiger parenting, and then really moving away from that. Like the more we get into respectful, gentle, conscious parenting and unschooling is just, just a manifestation of of conscious parenting because what it is 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 the belief that children deserve dignity and respect are their own people that they have their own goals in life their own way of being and so how can we honor that in all areas of their lives like bodily autonomy so we talk a lot in peaceful parenting circles about bodily autonomy and if your child doesn't want to hug a, a relative you know they have the right not to we can protect them and and how to extend that belief in bodily autonomy to all areas of their life, including the way they use their minds, the way they use their bodies for most of the day, which for conventional schooling is they have no bodily autonomy. They cannot use their bodies, move their bodies, use the bathroom, eat, rest. They just cannot do that in a conventional schooling system. And so that's not necessarily how I came to unschooling. I came to unschooling because I was living in China at the time. We were unable to send our kids to the local school because we weren't locals. We were American citizens. And their schooling options were really limited for us at that point. We were out of options. I knew that an option was to homeschool, but because of my tiger parenting tendencies and my need for control and all of those things, I knew that if I was to homeschool in the traditional way where there's like a curriculum, we need to get through these worksheets, there's these things that we need to accomplish, standards we need to meet, that I like that would just trigger my tiger parent to come out. Go backwards. Yes. Yes. I knew that that just was not how I wanted to be. Um, Especially if I was going to be around my children all the time, you know. It's a very stressful way to be. Just as a former teacher, just trying to get kids to do stuff, I couldn't even imagine doing, getting my kids to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again a very, power over type of mentality where, again, as a teacher, as an adult and an authority, I have my idea of what I want you to accomplish. I have my lesson plan, my agendas and my goals. And how am I going to enforce that on you? That's pretty much like what homeschooling can become, what teaching can become. And so I came across unschooling. I heard about it at a parenting conference, an online parenting conference. And I was like, this is so interesting. What is it about? I did a bunch of research about it. And so to me, it has really become a lifestyle. It's a way of life where we decenter school. We learn how to live life without school, just like adults after they leave school, graduate from school. There's like all this life that they live and they're learning. We continue to learn as adults and and engage and grow and gain skills and all of that. And that's how we began our unschooling journey of just not thinking within the school model where it's like you have grades, you have tests, you have standards, you have certain curriculums or certain subjects that you need to study. 
okay, what if we just got rid of that because that's not really what life looks like. Life is so integrated. It's so unique to each individual. So how can we honor each of our children, allow them to live life in ways that make sense for them, learn and pursue interests in ways that make sense for them individually, instead of me, again, coming in as the authority and saying, these are the things that you need to learn. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So what does a typical unschooling day look yeah. like? Like what, what does it look like when you're unschooling? Yeah. So it's a great question because there's no one answer. Again, because it's really about each individual or each family following what works for them. So that can mean sleeping in, that can mean going to the beach all day and playing outside, that can mean gaming, uh, that can mean reading. So for my kids, they are now 13 and 15. And we've actually, um, because they wanted to, or especially my oldest wanted to have more social interaction, you know, when they become teens, they want to be around their peers more. And so we found a self-directed learning center in our area. And so he goes three times a week to that self-directed learning center, um, which is different from school in that, again, it's not authoritarian. It's not compulsory. There are no classes that you are required to take. There are no tests. There's no homework. There are 
courses that are offered to the members, but nobody's required to take anything. So it's just mm-hmm. a safe space for people, for the members to learn together and socialize together and be in community together. So my oldest does that on the days that he's home. He does a lot of digital art. So that's something that he's really interested in. My youngest is really into music production right now. So he spends a lot of time just making music, making beats. And that sounds like a dream. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, like my daughter right now is a sophomore as well, like same age, but the stuff that she is dealing with right now in school like even as a former teacher, I'm like, this is incredibly pointless. Like she hmm. she complains a lot about her chemistry class and she brings home chemistry homework and my husband is sitting down and he's, they're not even teaching this. Like they use it in the real world. Like this isn't even not relevant the way they're going through this. And I think that is the problem with schools today because what you talk about is actually when I was an elementary school teacher, it's how I would teach my class post-testing. Because prior to state testing, the schools are very regimented and you have to turn in your lesson plans or you have to do your lesson plans and leave them on your desk for your principal to check, which my principal never did. But (laughs) (laughs) but you're describing something that's really like a project-directed learning, but it's individualized for your kids based on what they're interested in. And I think that is amazing. My brain is trying to categorize this. And it sounds to me like from my understanding, it's a cousin of Montessori type education. Yeah. It's a cousin. Not not the same household, but in the same neighborhood, roughly, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, other people might call this like self-directed learning because it is really giving children the autonomy, the agency to take, I don't know if charge is the right word, but like to to guide their own learning. And of course, the parent and adult is there to support them. Like we're not just, you're on your own and figure life out. We're obviously (laughs) there to support them, but it's really just allowing them to explore. It's so cool because how often as an adult for me, I had the hardest time figuring out what I wanted because for so long as a child, you're told what to do and you're told what to study. And even in entrepreneurship, no one tells you what to do, but in school, you were always told what to do to get the A. And that's not how the real world works at all. Like nobody tells you, you have to develop these mindsets of problem solving and experimentation and everything that I see you're doing in self-directed learning. And your kids are doing. And gosh, I love it. I love it. The only thing I I see is like the practicality of trying to do it when you're pursuing your own thing as an adult. Do you find like you're constantly trying to balance those things of things you want to achieve versus helping your kids learn the things that they want to learn? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, Again, some people view unschooling or maybe even like gentle parenting or whatever they want to call it in like permissive ways sometimes, you know, where it's just let the child do whatever they want. (laughs) But I think because we're a family, we do things in community. So these are things that we need to figure out as a family. And when you do, when you unschool as part of a self-directed learning center, 
you're also doing it as community. So even though it is about individual autonomy and self-direction and all of that, there's that tension between individual autonomy and community and relationship. And I talk about this in my book as well, where it's, it's about respect, like respecting the individual, and it's about relationship and how can we wrestle with those two realities Mm -hmm. in our everyday life, which is what love is, which is what relationship is. Any relationship, there are those two aspects. And so how can we also engage in that way with our children where, yes, I respect you. I want to help you. But we're also a family and I'm not, I'm not going to cater to your every whim. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not, you're not, mom is a martyr. Like you're not giving up your whole being for your kids. Like they are respecting you in the best of ways so much more than like versus the authoritarian method of parenting where you were dealing with power struggles. Now they like are actually respecting you and seeing what you need in addition to having their own needs met. Yeah. And I've also, yeah. And I found also that with unschooling because my job is not actually to teach them. It's not Mm -hmm. actually to hover over them or make sure that they're doing anything in a lot of ways. It's just about creating space for them, making sure they're safe, making sure they have the resources they need. And especially now that they're older, it's like they're on their own. They know how to find the skills and get the information they need. And I don't have to, it's not like a high intensity sitting over them, teaching them the way we think of when we think of homeschooling or when we think of teaching. It's really trusting in the child and trusting in the child means you give them a lot of freedom to experiment and you make sure they're safe, of course. Um, But there's just a lot of freedom. And for me as an unschooling mother, for me also to model for myself, for my children, what it means for me to pursue my own interests. So that means I'm going to tell my children I'm on a podcast and or I'm working on this blog post or whatever. And, you know, you you guys can do your own thing and I'm doing my thing. And we're, we're each pursuing our own interests and our own passions in in ways that work for us. So I think it's actually a really a way of life that empowers even the parent to be able to do their own thing in many ways. Yeah. 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 Well, I I am enthralled now with unschooling. <laughs> Iris, you you have gotten me even more interested. And it has been so wonderful talking with you about this and giving kids more power. Where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at Untigering or at my website, untigering.com. I offer parent coaching. I do speaking uh, workshops and stuff like that. So really encouraging parents to move away from that power over model, that authoritarian control model. And again, learn how to trust children, learn how to cooperate and collaborate and partner with them. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Iris. It's been amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I have to say, I was super excited with Iris to talk to her about letting go of the parent guilt and everything. But this episode, as soon as she started talking about unschooling, you and I are both like, can we switch to that? We're like, no. Yeah, let's talk about unschooling. Because I hear about it. 
but I don't know much about it. But there's so many questions about people. I think they do it the wrong way because there's a book about that, about unschooling. It's called Uneducated. I know. What is it called? I can't remember. Like Uneducated or something like that. But I don't, I need to read this book. So this is me totally coming at it from an uneducated point of view. If like I'm looking not it uneducated, right now. it's um, it's un not being able to come up with the right words at the right time. Again, miseducated? No, not. I got miseducation of Lauren Hill. No, Amazon is failing me right now. I, so I'm sure that if you're listening right now, you probably know the exact book I am talking about. You know so what? Please just tell us in the comments. I know. You leave your review. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, leave us a review and let us know. Like, actually, I am very curious. If you are listening to this podcast and you either do like alternative schooling or you're thought you're thinking about it, share that with us. Leave us a review. Let us know who else you would like us to talk to because this is an area that both Joanne and I are very curious about, but are not as familiar with as, as per the public school system that we both worked in that we got. But I am so interested in all the different educational options. And plus, I feel like you see it all the time, especially with where we live here in Arizona, specifically here in the Phoenix area, we have a lot of school choice options out here. I mean, like you throw a rock and you hit five different public charters and or different options out here. There's a lot of different options out there. And it's very interesting learning everybody's options because not everything's the right way. Well, and I love how Iris also brought it back to like she fell into, I feel like is the appropriate way to say it. Like she fell into the unschooling because of the untigering and just how that path unfolds. And like we talked about it ourselves too. Like my kids went to a back to basics traditional elementary school, which I really felt like was good for them in the very beginning. But now 10 years later when they're in high school, they're like, yeah, that was not our cup of tea. But no. like you find out things over time and you fall into them and you move and it's different. It, it's different things for different people at different times, which I think is another reason too why we try to tell moms like because you were using the the parenting techniques that were used on you, you can't blame yourself for trying what you thought was going to work at the time. We we learn more, right? We learn, you learn more. You learn a lot. Depth. Yeah. And when she she talked about that bodily autonomy not happening at school, she's absolutely right. When I was in my teacher education program, I went and observed a classroom and the kids were third graders sitting on the floor listening to a book being read and she would read the book and then she would look at a child and be like, fix your body, fix your body. And look at every – fix your body because they were like fidgeting or they weren't sitting up straight. Or I'm like, this is insane. Like what is this? Because as a teacher, you are in the classroom and administrators will come in and observe you and they'll be like 96% of the class was engaged. This one was like twiddling their thumbs over here in the corner. And you feel like you have to fix that. Yeah. But really, I love Iris's approach. I'm like, that's not giving bodily autonomy to any student. And that is something that we need to change. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I love We that. can go on and on. And, and on. apparently, and after we after we finished talking, we talked to Iris and she's got some ideas for writing a book on unschooling. It's, it's still yes. in the beginning process. So, you know, when that comes out, you got to be listening for it again because I want I to learn more. I'm just very, very yeah. interested. It's very in interesting. It's very interesting. So remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by.
no one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 